The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanherho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. And Pat Scott. Hey, Pat. Greetings. Uh, Before we get into today's show, I do want to tell you about another show that's on the StarQuest Network called PlayStation Portable. And that's actually a particularly apt thing to talk about today. I don't mean PlayStation Portable. This is not a Sony product. This is a a podcast, one of the longest-running Catholic podcasts out there, done by uh, our good friend Jeff Vista. It is the Liturgy of the Hours of the Catholic Church, sometimes called the Divine Office. And it's five moments of prayer, five possible short bits of prayer that you can pray throughout the day, morning prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, officer readings, midday prayer, that sort of thing. And uh, it's a podcast. You download it every day and you get these when you can follow along and listen. My family, our, my wife, my kids, we all love to listen to the Divine Office uh, as a as a podcast audible. My kids have been listening to the Divine Office this way since they were babies and they know huge chunks of it by heart. The Psalms and it's a great way to learn lots of the Psalms and scripture. So uh, check it out. It's pre station portable you can find it at sqpn.com or wherever fine podcasts are found so let's talk about oh i also have one announcement i I see my note here i should read my notes as i go along one announcement there will not be an episode next week so there will not be an episode uh that drops on august 19th we're taking a week off it's the summer it's kind of slow anyways with technology news uh and we're ramping up for the big you know what's coming up in the fall anyway so Uh, There will not be an episode next week. We'll be back on the 26th. All right, so let's get into our topics. Our first topic is uh, this question of live streaming. Parishes, many, most even, live streamed uh, mass during lockdown, starting, you know, somewhere in March of 2020 or thereabouts, and continuing on to very recently, in many cases, and some still are, and some even were doing it before lockdown. Uh, but there's this question that comes up is, is now that the dispensations from attending mass, most bishops said, look, during lockdown, you can't attend. <laughs> it's impossible to go out to government orders. So we're going to dispense you from the obligation to go to mass on Sunday. Uh, and so the live streams were a substitute for that. Uh, but now that a lot of dispensations have been lifted, there's a question of should we continue to live stream mass? And there's some competing concerns about that. So what do you all think of this? And, and maybe you can mention any concerns that you can think of that why we might stop or why we should continue. What do y'all think of this? Well, back when uh, we first started live streaming, I heard so many people say, this is wonderful. I want to see this continue for those options of the times when I'm sick or I'm traveling or something that prevents our family from all getting to mass at the same time. Shut-ins that have had a hard time participating in liturgy Mm -hmm. because they didn't have any source. And so I think a lot of people really want this to continue. Now, I understand, you know, the opposite of if it makes it too easy, they won't go to church. But. Right. Uh, but, you know, if it was too easy anyway, they were, you know, Super Bowl days, attendance is down. So it's it's kind of easy anyway. Right. And I think for for a family like mine where we're quarantining right now, hooray, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's kind of uh, it's great for us to be able to have that opportunity to participate in the mass still. Uh, when we can't make it and, and we can't like we, we won't go because we, you know, just this last Saturday we were at a boy scout event and up oh, there oh. was somebody there that had it. And oh, no. now one of my kids may, you know, we're, we're waiting on the test results. So we're not going to go on Sunday. Anyway, you slice right. it. Right. But not going, we still have a way to participate in the mass and that still brings the mass into our children, which is a really important thing to not just, okay, now we have to stop for a week. We have to stop for two weeks, whatever. We can still participate in the Mass, even if we're not fully participating. And I think there's a key here. This is, this is my, my thought on it. Making sure that there is something done during the Eucharist 
that is special for the live streaming. So mm -hmm. having a prayer up, making sure that there is a prayer, at least a prayer slide that says, you know, say this prayer during Spiritual the communion. During the communion. Yeah. yeah. That's important because that reminds people you're not experiencing the mass. You're, you're away from the mass because you have to be, or because something has taken you away from it, but you are away from the full experience of it. I've seen most of the masses that I've seen live streamed have at that time, mm -hmm. they'll put up a slide with this, with the act of spiritual communion. Right. And, uh, I, and, and father will even stop and say it, you know, there on the altar often along with that. Mm. And, uh, that's good. It's important to, to note that there have been televised masses for decades now, like for, right. for, from the the beginning of TV, there have been masses on TV uh, that have been available for shut-ins. the The difference in this is that I get to participate in my parish's mass, mm -hmm. my community, right. my home, and there's it feels different. I remember it took a while for my parish to get their live streaming mass going, and we would watch mass, you know, for Catholic TV, which is really great. Or this with others like Basilica in the, in Washington D.C. and stuff, and those are all nice and beautiful. But there was something special about seeing my pastor at our Hearing church. His sermon. Give, yeah. yeah and, and having that connection again, uh, that, was, that felt so important. And the ability to connect with my parish is, is you know, especially since, I mean, right now, the, a lot of this talk came out uh, about a month ago as these dispensations were being lifted and the concerns about should we stop live streaming to encourage people to go back to mass. Now that the Delta variant has come around again and unwelcome, right. <laughs> an unwelcome guest at our homes, uh, we're back to a lot of this stuff. Uh, my parish is still having mass in person, but the question is sort of been extended a bit. But one of the things I, I was seeing was a quote uh, from this article that um, – I think it was either in Crux or in Catholic News Service that the Catholic Leadership Institute said that 25 to 20 percent, 7 percent of mass going Catholics across the country say they go out of habit. And another four to six mm. percent call themselves Catholic in name only. And so. After 18 months, that habit gets broken, you know, that, that it's mm -hmm. not a habit anymore. And so we can expect that our attendance is, could could have dropped by 30 percent. You know, even just by losing the people who've lost the habit. So there's an important factor there. But the other thing, and I, so I just want to and, and give the other point of view. One of the uh, this the, the article that uh, is talking about this is from the Catholic Spirit, which is a newspaper, the Catholic newspaper up in um, I think Minneapolis, St. Paul, and they said no one they talked to, no parish they talked to, says that they've noticed a decrease in the number of people attending mass. Uh, be, even though they're live streaming. So there's a lot of concern about a decrease in live streaming, but we're not actually seeing a decrease uh, because of live streaming. And I think part of that might be is we're at a point in the church now where the people who go to mass, you know, we's, we've got a quarter of the people who go out of habit, I suppose, but the people who go to mass go because they know that they should be right. there, I think. Mm -hmm. and if you're going to watch a live stream, you know you're going to go, you need to go to church when you can Right. And I don't think that any of the people who are uh, not going to mass out of habit, if they stop live streaming, they I don't think they're going to come back because you right. know, they probably weren't even watching the live stream. Right. Exactly. That's that's the point is the live. I don't think it's the live stream that is that is keeping those people home. That's just they've lost a habit. And, you right. know, if, if they are staying home. I think if right. anything, it's adding people that are able to participate. I think it to, is to experience. Yeah. Well, and I've heard of so many parishes saying, you know, we have people from all over the world that are coming mm -hmm. to our masses, and maybe those people who can't see their way clear to publicly going into a church can live stream mm -hmm. and and yeah. begin to be more part of looking at faith. You know, there is something to be said, and I think I said this when we talked about this last time in February, is to be able to kind of drop in on parishes to see yeah. different places. And, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be kind of fun to drop in on my home parish when I was a kid, you know, what's going on there now, you know, right. or, or, or that sort of thing it, to make these. Or if you're going on vacation, you know, to, to check out the mass the week before and see, Oh, okay. I, yeah. I really like that. I like that homilist. I feel like that's a good place to go. That's a, that's a, that's actually a good point. Like a few years ago, we were, parish homeless for various reasons and which i'm not going to get into but but we went we spent a couple months going around to we're in the boston archdiocese so there are 
within a 20 minute drive, we have 15 <laughs> different churches. So we went to all of the masses that were, you know, on a Sunday morning, all the different parishes around. But it would have been a whole lot easier and would have weeded some. Oh, I'm trying to say diplomatically. There would have been some <laughs> that would have been crossed off the list a priori if I'd been able to watch uh, a, a their mass that had been recorded. And that may not be actually a good reason to, to like that might not convince anyone to actually put their mass online. But on the other hand, <laughs> there are some I would have that would have been moved to the top of the list, say, mm-hmm. uh, if I'd known what mass was like at that at that place. So, I mean, we shouldn't. Sh- Shopping for parishes is, is probably not the, the ideal use case. We shouldn't really shop for parishes. Mass is the mass and the sacrament is celebrated as long as as long as it's it's valid and licit and holy. It's it's and reverent. It's, it's reverent. I mean, it's 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 fine. You know, you should go there. But there's something to be said also for people who out of curiosity watch or people who were baptized, but have, but have fallen away and are are curious and mm-hmm. maybe embarrassed to walk into a church because somebody mm-hmm. might notice them and they don't really want to be noticed yet. Right. Right. And, you know, also talked about this before, live streaming weddings and funerals for especially right. for families that that are not local and travel is either prohibitive or they're not comfortable with it yet or what have you allows people to participate. Now, there's some expense and technological needs in, in these areas. Uh, you know, a lot of places that are live streaming have already spent the money on the equipment, but there is licensing, there's software up to, uh, to maintain, uh, hardware to maintain, and uh, there's got to be a, a person. My parish has stopped live streaming because the guy who was doing it, like he, he does this for a living and he just, he's done it for a year and he just can't continue to spend every Sunday morning, the mm-hmm. whole morning, like uh, doing this pro bono. He, he, does evening work on weekends and and weddings and all that sort of stuff. And so it's like, like he's a DJ and a something else and whatever. I forget. He, like, this is not his, his main thing. So they, the, my pastor put out a call. Does anyone want to help do this? And I'm like, if I were the single guy, I was 20 years ago, I probably would have raised my hand and said, I'm, I'm in, you know, but I, I, you know, I family situation doesn't allow it, but yeah. there are obstacles for parishes to keep doing this. And, mm-hmm. and it's, in a time when there are a lot of constraints on resources, this is easy to squeeze out. I guess I was hoping that, that now that they've been doing it for all this time, that there's a good routine and not a lot of overhead in, right. in having somebody there. They can kind of start it and just kind of not really have to do all the heavy work. But, uh, you know, I'm naive when it comes to knowing <laughs> what goes into it. So, you know, yeah. just looking at it from a, gosh, it's already set up. Why not just keep going? It depends on how it's set up, though, too. I think that's the other thing is like with, with my parish, they actually had cameras installed in the back of the, the sanctuary. There's a camera right. that sits back there and it, it it's controlled from the control panel and it's really easy to do so they can train somebody very quickly to take over to, to run it very easily. But for a lot of parishes, it was just someone went in and set up an iPad and videoed to the mass and had a live streaming service set up there. Right. Which is a, a lot of the barrier out of the way, right? But it's still someone has to be there with Very that in labor intensive. And, yeah. 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 And in my parish, we had a three camera system set up. Uh, he actually had four because he had a, an, a cell phone in, at one point. But um, but he had to, you know, do the switching, and he had a really neat system where he could switch with an iPad that he carried, which was really mm-hmm. neat. So he could do all the switching from there. But he'd have to go from camera to camera to every time you know the the pastor came up, he'd have to make sure it's you know in right. the frame and right. people don't know how to where to stand on their marks you know that sort of stuff yep. that's that's, you know, that's a thing with cameras now um and it would be nice if they were mounted on um the pillars and were out of the way and you know but mm-hmm. these are on tripods and they're very visible uh, you know yeah. and so it's like these are some of the obstacles do we want to have our Worship experience dominated by cameras in our view of the sanctuary. Uh, that's a question. So, well, and maybe, maybe with some of that, some of the parishes might not be able to every parish live stream, but maybe, you know, a couple around a city, you know, that mm-hmm. would at least be doing that. And maybe the, the smaller parishes just couldn't continue it. Right. But, uh, 
Right. That actually would or be a rotating one. Yeah. A rotating one where it would you that know would this be really week neat. it's and this week it's one parish and you know, over a series of several months if you diocese had portable were talking equipment. to you. <laughs> yeah, diocese. <laughs> right. If, if you could have regional, you know, teams that, that their job, they're hired, they go from place to mm-hmm. place. I mean, it's a re again resources. It's nice to spend other people's money, I suppose. But where there is the resources, it might be worthwhile. And now there are remote places, like I think of uh, Father Corey, Father Father Andrew. There, uh, you know, Montana, Wyoming. This, you know, that's not really a feasible thing for them. A one, even like a one camera static shot of the altar, just never moving, just staying yeah, there. Yeah, just, that would just be set it something. Up and go and connect it and just. That that's that would be sufficient for a lot of people, I think. Just one sure. wide angle shot. Because what's really important is the sound. Making sure you get good sound is yes. Because you know what's going on, really. You can you can make out what's going on up there. You've seen, seen mass before, but you really got to be able to hear. And sound audio quality is much more important than video quality, mm-hmm. which is something that most parishes have already handled. Like I, I think most parishes have a sound system that's. Right, got things pretty squared away. The trick is connecting the audio out, uh, which I yep. discovered that the last parish I worked at was the yeah. getting the audio from the sound system into a into some Recording. digital form. Yeah. That was um, we actually had to hire somebody to come in and and do that. But it's it's possible. It's it's entirely feasible. Yeah. So um, you know, other things that uh, the some of the costs that we we generally don't think about things like licensing music. The music, all the music that's sung at mass is, and we talked with with Joanne before because she's a church musician. All the music that's sung in a mass is licensed for that sort of performance. We, it, which let's just call it, that's what they call it, performance. Not right. really, we don't perform at mass, but that's fine. Uh, but it's a whole different license when you're broadcasting it, Ooh. and that yeah. that creates a whole other issue for churches. They have to sometimes often purchase additional licensing rights for whatever music they're going to sing. Some might not. And frankly, if enough, if enough parishes just kind of ignore it and do what they want, if 18,000 parishes in the United States just do what they want, I'm not sure they can necessarily enforce, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know how that works. I don't know. The music industry and, and licensing is horrible yeah, in yeah, terms of, of the penalties they impose. They do. Especially right. if you, if you, if you think about where they're streaming it, because a lot of them are streaming it on YouTube and, all it takes is a couple of uh, couple strikes, couple of couple uh, strikes yeah. to yeah. get knocked off. And frankly, there are a lot of uh, copyright strikes trolls on, uh, on oh, yeah, YouTube that, claiming ownership, but they for. don't. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of uh, <laughs> music that is hundreds of years old that that some people claim if, if they if it's played on YouTube, they'll claim it rights to it. And YouTube's all automated, so it just it strikes you like, hey. That was written by C. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> you can't, yes, you don't own that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But Father Roderick von Hogan was talking about that a while ago with uh, his live streaming masses. He he ran a follow of that with some chant. Um, mm. so, wow, chants! Yes, <laughs> thousands yeah. of years old. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, any other things we need to think about with with respect to you know this concern about live streaming, continuing live streaming versus encouraging people to go back to you know, to mass instead and, and those tensions, anything we, th- we think about? Well, it would be it would be good if we could get some feedback, you know, from the par- parishioners, you know, in an area. In other words, this might be a time for the church to reach out and ask their parishioners, you oh, know, yeah. um, and, and especially if they're seeing the attendance in five, 10, 15 people versus 90 or 100, that could make a difference, right? Just seeing those figures, right. what, how mm-hmm. it's being used. But the people might want to say, yes, we would like to see this and then maybe encourage them to donate a little bit more to help cover the costs. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely parishes should be paying attention to the to the view numbers. How many people are viewing these things live? How many people are viewing the recordings? Um, get a, That gives you a sense of participation. And then, you know, look at how many people are in the pews. You start to get a sense of how many people are not coming and and you're right, Pat. To talk to the people, why aren't you coming? Are you still are you still concerned about COVID, or is it just more convenient? Or find out, like talk to people. Like, and that's the that's mm-hmm. the big thing. As I didn't see in these articles, is anyone actually communicating, talking to people, talking to people who aren't <laughs> going because they'd rather watch the live stream. You know, it's it, it, instead of not going because they can't or they they they're still concerned about getting sick. 
Mm. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. And I've never talked to anybody who said, well, it's just it's just too hard to get to mass. It's always like, no, they're concerned for a medical reason or because right. of us of a traveling or scheduling or sick child mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, I've never heard anybody saying, oh, I'm just going to live stream it. It's not worth going into. <laughs> See, I think, and, and I think that's that's something that's uniquely Catholic. I think that's uh, that's one thing that we have to really remember to point out to people is that if if I was at a Protestant church, live streaming the 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 pastor's message is essentially the same thing as as being in the seat. It's right. really not that different. In fact, a lot of but mega churches already do that. They do it, yes. yeah, right. Yeah. And that and that's kind of where they where they went to. And so, I but you can't do that with a Catholic church because part of the liturgy is the there for you to yeah. access, but the other part you you have to be present for. You really actually right. have to be there, and. And you feel that absence as as a Catholic, even if you're just watching the mass, you feel that absence because mm-hmm. there is a part of the mass that comes up that you cannot participate in. And they have to either blur the screen or put a prayer up or something. <laughs> it is not even just that I can't receive communion. It, it's like not even the, the, the fact that I can't physically receive communion at that point. There's also the our presence at the prayer is important. Mm-hmm. Even if even if the body I, of Christ, right. Even yeah. if I'm not good, if for whatever reason, I'm not going up to receive communion this week in a, and I'm present in church, I'm still part of what's going on. There's still mm-hmm. an, an objective value to being in that place, in that prayer that I'm not experiencing. I'm not getting if I'm w- just watching it on a recording. Mm-hmm. And that's important too. I think uh, that, to recognize that presence, literal physical presence, is an important part of prayer, especially as community. We are communion is by being community, by being a body present to one another. And I, and I think the turn of that, too, is, is when you have someone who's homebound and can't participate in any way, it, it feels much worse yeah. than, than being able to simply participate by watching or being being that that awareness that Mm -hmm. presence of awareness right of i'm I'm aware of the fact that i have an obligation i can't make it but i'm doing my best to participate the way that i can and and you miss out on that if you if you just can't go and there's nothing there to replace it right and and Mm -hmm. and i'm not talking you know because there's there there are the the resources available you could watch mass but it's different if it's not your home parish yeah. And it's kind of like it's just streamed from somewhere, you know, in Alabama or something like that. And you're like, OK, I, I can watch I that. I just did but, that. <laughs> right. That's that's not my people. Right. These are my people. And and this is the community that I belong to. Well, and that was one of the things early on when we were uh, before all the parishes got, you know, behind being able to stream your own is being able to go to websites of different parishes around the world, around the country, gave me a real big sense of community, of mm-hmm. the family of God, of the mm-hmm. of the body of Christ. And one of the other things that, that I noticed recently was our bishop had said that basically as soon as people could start coming back to church, he made the requirement that the masses be only live, that they were so not did. recorded. And mm. so they couldn't just tune in later. It okay. was a matter of being their presence virtually at that moment. So live streamed, mm. but not recorded. Interesting. Correct. Wow. Now they would record the homily. Yeah. Or maybe they recorded the whole thing. But as far as what got put up on screen or on the website was live. And that was what our bishop decided to do. And I kind of agree with that. I huh. like that. I like that. That's a very mm. interesting incarnational theology yeah right. I, 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 I like that too yeah some people i saw say you know it's it's not really live it's there's a delay between when it's actually happening and i, I asked jimmy aiken about this and he said given the speed of light if you're sitting in a pew it's delayed from what's going on right. <laughs> it's still delayed so this you know light doesn't in, travel instantaneously so it's same thing so it's just a little bit more of a delay so uh, I, of course, leave it to Jimmy to come up with the uh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yes, the good, good thing. All right. So that that's great. Uh, I think that's a good discussion. If listeners have any uh, uh, feedback they want to provide, any questions they want to ask on this, definitely send it to tech, uh, your, your questions, your feedback to technology at sqpn.com. And we'd love to talk about that in a future episode. So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including David B., John G., 
Peter G, J. Michael T, and Sam M. And that's not John Michael Tabbitt. Just in case anyone was wondering. Uh, and Sam M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. John Michael Tabbitt would be welcome to become a patron uh, if he wanted. I'm not saying he can't be, but that particular one is not him. All right. Let's move on. I'm getting silly. Silly, yeah. Uh, all right. So this is actually a, a very serious subject we want to get to. This uh, Apple. Uh, made an announcement last week, and it's a very important subject. And uh, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of um, fear, uncertainty, doubt that went out about this. And so, over the over the week, things have kind of cleared up a little bit. And uh, so, we want to talk about it. Apple announced uh, a series of measures related to child safety using their devices, and they're, they're, it's threefold, and they've kind of rolled three different things into one, which maybe caused some of the confusion. Apple's messaging on this is part was part of why everyone freaked out. Like they did a poor job of PR. Um, so, but the three things that they announced were: first, they're going to monitor iMessage for children. So, in children in family sharing situations. So, if they're, they they know that they're children uh, for children who are ages. 13 and under on their devices if they attempt to access any material that is inappropriate for young children nudity or anything like that and they'll be scanning for it they're going to use machine learning to scan for images of naked people uh if they detect it there's a series of steps they take to try to talk to the child that's which is like i really like the fact that it's it's a it's a conversation conversational teaching sort of thing they do, and it, it finally escalates to the point of look if you continue to want to watch, look at this, you we're going to have to tell your parents basically we're going to tell your mom and your dad that you're that you're you're looking at this. So protecting kids thirteen and under, they do a little different thing for teens. They don't report to parents, but they do have this conversation with them. I'm not sure how you feel about that. If a kid's got a phone on my family system and they're not of the age of majority. But we could talk about that in a sec. Uh, they, the second initiative is they are scanning photos in iCloud against, uh, for no, they call it CCM child sexual abuse material or child porn. That's what they uh, used to call it. Um, and, and they, so they're scanning in the cloud, but first they scan on the, on device. And if they find materials, they it will get reported to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and probably which is a lot less scary than it sounds. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but it's not that right. bad. <laughs> and we could talk about the exact mechanics of that. But uh, and then yeah. the third thing is they're expanding. This is a very simple thing, but they're expanding the series and searches capabilities so that if anybody either asks for information about child sexual abuse material or when someone searches for illegal material it will flash up warnings and give information and that sort of stuff. Okay, so those are the three things. So let's talk about how these work. And I, wa I want to start with the, that second one, because I think that's okay. the one that has the people most concerned. So, Thomas, I think you, you uh, had a really good explanation for what's going on. Do you mind talking a little bit about how you perceive what Apple is doing here? Sure. I, and, and I think the, the thing to remember is this is not new. This is not uh, a, a stellar. This is actually kind of slow, honestly, uh, because Apple's Google's been doing this for years. Yeah, yeah, and so and so Google's been doing it for years. Apple's finally kind of catching up, and and basically the premise is this: if if you think about uh, the limited amount of of child abuse material that is out there, it's too much. Any amount is too much, right? But there's really not that much out there. So there's there's pockets of it that are out and scattered around the internet. And what Google has kind of done uh, in the past, and I'm, and I'm, I'm under, from my understanding of reading about this stuff, is this is exactly what um, Apple's doing too. Uh, Google has gone out and worked with uh, non-government organizations that are, are protecting children and looking at, at these child abuse cases and that find these people and turn them into authorities. And when they find these people, it's inevitably because they downloaded something and they have a server that has a bunch of the stuff already on it. And so they are now inheriting this trove of awfulness, right? Mm -hmm. And what they can do is with some of the technology that Google has made is they can hash into these images 
uh, small bits of code that identify the image as unique. So basically, it's like putting a tag on the on the image. And since the image is already out there, it's already digitally distributed. They can create basically a honeypot that uh, if someone's looking for this kind of material, they could run across it online and they get caught. And what happens is they just scan the hash against the hash inside of these people's uh, storage of things. So if you have a, a bunch of images, they'll just take a code that says XB2165, what, something unreadable, right? <laughs> that makes no sense to us. And they just scan it against all the images in there. Because when it comes down to it, all the digital images is a, is a, a bunch of uh, computer code. And so they just scan it against that computer code. And the, the images that have been tagged will return a flag. Because it, it's a unique piece of code that's not going to appear in any other image. It's been placed there specifically to be checked. And just to verify, they make sure that there's a threshold that that particular group of uh, images has to meet so that when it, if it does get flagged as something that's that's negative it's because more than one image had those trackers go off on it right and so they, they i mean when you look at what the what they're doing it's exceptionally reliable so if this kicks back it's really reliable like it's reliable enough that you could probably just send it straight to the police and know that that person has some unsavory images in their uh, enough unsavory images to make it a big deal in their in their storage but they actually have a second level and this is as something that google does and this is something that apple's doing it goes to a human reviewer and that human reviewer uh looks at that you know they can see that the stuff that's there they can check that the hash has been checked against all of these images and I'm a, i've actually read a little bit more about it. it doesn't seem like they even have to see the images they just see the code and so what they do is verify that this code has popped up in more than one image in that uh so you don't have to have the reviewer subjected to all of this stuff either which is fantastic that's, that's really great i really like that and and they check and see okay not only did the computer say that this threshold w was there but this is actually suspect there really does there's something going on here they report it out to the authorities and then the authorities can go in and get the warrants that they need to to check the actual images that are there and all of the all of the stuff that's going on so it's it's really there's a lot of steps uh, that protect privacy, even of these people that have these these things that they shouldn't have, uh, so that nobody's getting caught up in this dragnet that's that's going down. That's an excellent explanation. Thank you. Yeah, and I like the fact that you know because a lot of the concerns earlier on was you know what about these pictures of my kids that I took in the bathtub? It's mm -hmm. not those pictures they're no. looking at. It's not looking, looking at the content known, of the picture. Yeah, right, right, right. that's right. They're looking for known images and ones right. that have already been tagged to say this image, this hash, it's bad. Yeah. And now now the big the the, the drawback there is that you're not going to be catching the creators. You're going to be catching that's the true. purveyors. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately that's we have to live in that world, but eventually if there's no market for it, it won't happen anymore. So that's kind right. of the the concept we're running with. Right. We're arresting the users, not the dealers, which, mm -hmm. you know, that's it, it, you, going after the creators would trigger some of these real concerns that people the have. Privacy, it, would, yeah. it would be much more intrusive for regular people. And there would be a lot more false positives and that sort of stuff. So it, it's more difficult to go after those guys as much as we all would like to. And nobody, to be clear, nobody, nobody is saying it's OK to have this sort of stuff in your possession. I, I mm -hmm. nobody on any side of this issue, and so we should be clear that that that, that that's what the, the the that's not what we're talking about. Uh, and the so the um, the government organization or the government approved organization for holding this material is the National Center for Exploited and Missing Children. Uh, it is the possession of such material is itself illegal, mm -hmm. and so they have a special dispensation to possess these materials in order to create the hashes. And that's why, one of the reasons why Apple and Google and Facebook and these other companies doing this sort of scanning, they don't have these materials. They don't want right. these materials. They, they just want the hashes. So I think that's important to say. Um, there's a, Apple has a, has a great link. It's apple.com slash child safety that explains it's got screenshots of what the the the, the warning signs are and uh, an FAQ lots of information there some of it is a little technical but 
but not too bad. And you could you, you mm. kind of skim through it, even if you don't get most of it, you'll kind of get an idea of what's going on. The the one about the um, iMessage for kids and the warning signals and kind of making pre preteen and younger different than teenagers. What do you what do you think of separating them and saying it's sort of okay for teenagers, but not for to that you know we're not going to tell parents if pre, if teenagers are exchanging naked Sex pics. pics. Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff. What do you what do you think of that? Well, I was curious about when they're scanning those, are they again doing this mask of matching uh, hashes? Because no. at that point, they should not be, you know, having that. But what you're saying is any nudity type pictures or things that look like they're nudity, those are the images that are right. going to get triggered. So can that be something that some of the privacy people are going to be upset about? It It is. And some of this has to do with slippery slope concerns and less about this actual mm -hmm. thing but but there is some of the i think some of the reason why we're treating kids 13 and under differently from teenagers is some people ha have their moral sense of what teenagers should be allowed to do is different from yeah. traditional christian morality mm -hmm. i think that's playing a role in why we're doing it differently yeah i I, I, again, this comes back to, to AI. Uh, AI plays a big middle ground, uh, you know, in the, in the privacy concerns issues. Basically, the AI has gotten good enough that it can look at an image and see, wait, there's a naked person in this image. Right. And uh, or and a certain body part. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. And that and that's how um, that's how the AI is going to kind of stand that middle ground for it. What I'm interested in is is the the educational piece of it. Like, I, I haven't been able to get a full view of what their educational piece is, but it seems kind of like it's like a clippy, right? Where it pops up and gets yeah. really annoying. Um, and I, I actually kind of like that. I think that's a really good, uh, that's a really good way to do it. I am, I, I know that I'm a very liberal parent in this, but my, before my kids get their own accounts uh, at 13 and, and this happens with um, Google family, uh, they drop off of my account at 13. They have their own account, their own stuff. It's their stuff. And part of what we talk about is, look, I'm not in your business, but you need to understand that what you're doing is going to affect you for the rest of your life. And so it, it, there is a very serious discussion that comes down with that uh, responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. And I am okay being hands off and even letting them get in trouble in that vein. And I know that's kind of weird, but right. that's I I, I like the fact that they can have an AI stand between that's going to tell them, hey, you might be moving into this terrain that your parents warned you about. Right. Yeah. A nag, a reminder, but not a pro prohibition. Here's right. what they get. So if they they if it detects an image, uh, a sensitive, it's a sensitive image. They get a pop up. It says this could be sensitive to view. Are you sure? It says sensitive photos and videos show the private body parts that you cover with bathing suits. It's not your fault, but sensitive photos and videos can be used to hurt you. The person in this might not want to be seen, might not want it seen. It could have been shared without them knowing. That's and then a good can, point. Yeah. So then they, they have an option. Not now or I'm sure. So not now. I don't want to see it, which is the default. Thank you. No dark pattern here. Good. <laughs> yeah. So not now, or I'm sure. If they click, I'm sure it's a and they decorate it with emojis, which is kind of interesting, kind of appealing to the kids. Hey, uh, it, if they click, I'm sure, then they get another uh, card. It says it's your choice, but your parents want to know you're safe. If you decide to view this, your parents will get a notification to make sure you're okay. Don't share anything you don't want to. Talk to someone you trust if you feel pressured. You're not alone and can always get help here and there's a link that will take them to resources for kids who you know who are exploited probably ncm the national center for missing exploited children right. i can never remember that acronym but um, and see that to me that sounds fantastic i like that um i like that especially for kids under 13 i like that it's for kids over 13 i do like that it's going to let them make that call yeah and but it's going to give them that it gives them that stop and i think that's what's really important is um, especially in this age where it's easy to just click. I mean, I, I have found myself clicking on stupid stuff and I end up going, why did I, oh my gosh, why did I end up, you know, <laughs> right. watching this, this video of this stupid, ridiculous thing. And, and it's because 
you know, I'm on Reddit and it's got a, it's got a blur and somebody put in a title that wasn't the title that it was. I right. Mean, you run if automatic. you've ever been Rickrolled, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know what's going on. One billion so, views. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, you know, and I think we, what we need is just that stopgap to get the kids to think. And, and, and that's at 13, I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with saying at 13, they need that more than they need the, my parents are going to be warned about this before I do it. I would like an option where, for, especially for my teens, where it just pops up a picture of me looking over my glasses at them disapprovingly. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> that would be an awesome feature, Apple. I think you should implement that. Uh, that actually might be good for any of you parents. A picture of me looking disapprovingly over my glasses <laughs> at my scar off any kid. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, definitely if you if you have concerns in this area, check out this link that Apple's provided. Check out some of the other resources we'll put in the show notes. I think this is good for families and kids. Now, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the slippery slope arguments, which is some people are concerned that this is like a backdoor that would allow oppressive governments to say to sneak in to the database of hashes, uh, p- political materials that they want to be looking for, or other things that can be reported and that will be forcing Apple to do this or uh, if they want to. Or for the kids stuff, like they want to crack down on kids who are LGBTQ and so looking for that material and alerting the police. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, I, I that's always been the concern that they could like mm-hmm. they're they're not doing this, but you're afraid that they might allow this in the future, that Apple might, but they're not doing it. And they could always do that. So I'm not sure what's changed. Like, you know, if Apple is Apple, if Apple is is about privacy, like they claim to be, then I don't think any of that's changed. Well, and I think it's it's an it's important to remember that there is a separation of uh, of rights here too. Uh, Apple is not scanning for Apple's concerned images. Apple is scanning against a non-government database, like a, a database that is run by an organization that's specifically charged with protecting children. Right. Uh, the, the, the loops you would have to go through to, to, uh, to fix that, to, to rig it so that it there. said, yeah, yeah. It, it would be, it would be a big deal. It would be a really, can it happen? Yes. Good. Right. But, but, you know, I, I think that it's important to realize that it's not that Apple has this, repository of things that it's scanning against it's apple is scanning its stuff using these hashes from a third party that's specifically designed to protect children i would think that more of the question might come from the people looking at the ai looking for body parts sure that they might say oh well if they're scanning for body parts they might scan for weed or they might scan for or political uh, messages or right and so that's the one that i think that is would probably be more likely to uh, get people worried. Although, if you're the type of person who needs secure communications, you're using Signal already or yes. something along right. those lines. <laughs> not yeah. iMessage. Right. You, the, the Hong Kong democracy activists are not in iMessage and they're not in Google Chat or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They're in Signal or something else that's secure. And frankly... The Chinese government could pass a law tomorrow that says that Apple and Google have to create backdoors in their systems to allow them to find things. I mean, that this isn't, you know, Apple saying, oh, yeah, we shouldn't do this isn't prevent that. Apple would and Google would both still have this confrontation with their ethics. Right. And their Mm -hmm. and their desire to make money in the largest market in the world, Uh, that competition in those two things. So I don't think I don't. It doesn't worry me because if Apple yeah. were going to cave on this or Google were going to cave on this, I keep saying Apple because it's just Apple's presently thing. But if Apple or Google were going to cave on this, they'll cave either way. If they're not, right. if they're going to stand firm, they'll stand firm either way. So uh, this, yeah, this is just kind of an acknowledgement that the capability exists. Yes. Which it always has. Which it always has. And it's just using the capability for good. And and I will say, I'm you know. I understand why they want they would want to hold out because you look at the press they're getting about this, right? The press they're getting about this is very negative. It's it's debating whether or not they're secure. You know, there there are people that uh, want to move away from Apple, and they're like, I mean, where are you going to go? You're going to go to Google, which has been doing this for years. So that <laughs> just shows you don't know. Yeah, Google, <laughs> right? Google has been scanning Gmail attachments for this stuff for years. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. and and to be honest, this this is the way we've always caught. Uh, child predators right this is is the way we always do it is is it's some form of privacy invading or entrapment 
those that's the way that you catch these people it's the way that that these these government organizations existed pre google right. and pre um pre apple it's they've been around so it's not like this is a, a like you know a new exploration of, of this it's just a new use of the technology that hasn't been there before but that was capable and now they're finally catching up and doing it it's a modern version of putting undercover police on the streets as as prostitutes you right. know what i mean that's yeah to mm-hmm. cap to capture johns this is just the tech version of that that right. doesn't put people at risk and the other thing you have to look at is is this the private good versus the public good and, you know, mm-hmm. just say, you know, all right, we might catch one person that we shouldn't have, you know, that somebody might be wanting to say we shouldn't have caught. But what's the greater good? Right. And the fact is, is the, the given the way this is this, I'm not sure the technology could be devised any better given the current state of things to right. to not get false positives. I mean, frankly, the system might be letting some bad guys go in order to yeah, prevent creators. false positives. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, and even some purveyors, like if you know, the people with a with a couple of images and not a whole tro- trove of them, might get through this and might escape through the through the the cracks. But we're protecting people from being false positive because, really, frankly, honestly, being false positive as a child predator, you know, a child porn oh, user yeah. would is a, is a devastating thing, even if you're declared innocent at some point. Uh, so we, it is really important that we not falsely declare, you know, uh, a positive uh, in that case. All right, so we'll we'll. Uh, We'll follow this. We'll keep an eye on it. And if you get questions on this, uh, we'd be happy to answer them again. Technology at sqpn.com and let us know what you think. Uh, a couple of other headlines I'd like to cover quickly. Uh, if you want in the market for some gaming PCs, if you live in certain localities, you're not going to be allowed to buy them. Yes, uh, it, it especially comes up with De- Dell owns Alienware these days. I I I, mm-hmm. I must have right. missed that at some point. But uh, certain Alienware uh, PCs that are high end that they draw a lot of power. Uh, they you can't buy them in c- certain certain models in Hawaii, Oregon, Vermont, Washington, California, or Colorado because they draw too much power. And there are there are laws in those states that say so you can't buy you can't sell PCs that draw over a certain amount of power. What do y'all think of this sort of thing? It was a bootlegging driving across the border from Vermont to New Hampshire to pick up a Alienware PC. Build your own PC. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other other thing is, is this is this may help for, for people to design better, more efficient systems if they're being mm-hmm. prevented from selling their these high end and they're high end models. They these really are, are very, very expensive machines. Yeah. And so if if they can't sell them in some of the biggest states, that might help them to design them better. That is true. Yeah, these are like five five thousand dollar plus systems here we're talking yeah. about, and and one of the things that concerns has been like with cryptocurrency to kind of point in a different direction for a second. It's a little bit of tension, not much. You know, that's how cryptocurrency is mined is these is these gaming systems using the GPUs, and they've they've talked about how cryptocurrency mining is using a lot of the world's electricity. It's causing a lot mm-hmm. of the carbon emissions based on the amount of electricity that they're drawing. And so, yeah, I mean, given enough of them. To be fair, though, you're late to the game if you're banning them for that reason, because they don't use they don't use GPUs anymore. They use dedicated uh, Bitcoin miners. <laughs> so they've they've got their like they've got a whole system that's that's like a dedicated, dedicated Bitcoin yeah, mining system. So yeah. so you're not really if, you, if you're doing it for that, then you're, you you missed the boat. <laughs> you missed, yeah, 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 the days of the. <laughs> The 49ers of cryptocurrency are gone. Right. Yes. Yeah. But but to be fair, these these things are, I mean, they're huge. They do draw a lot of power. My only problem with that is uh, there's a lot of other stuff in your house that draws a lot more power. It does. Now, it draws the power on a more limited basis, right? So mm-hmm. your microwave draws the power a lot more limited. These These gaming PCs are crazy. They have... A lot of stuff in them. So, you know, you're talking about a, a PC that has multiple fans, that has a cooling system, that has LEDs running all throughout it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 uh, and, it, and it's got this GPU that's basically an entire computer inside your computer just to run the graphics and games. If if the technology exists, games will match mm-hmm. the technology that exists. So, yes, but come on, if you're if you're dumping five thousand dollars on a PC, just, you know. Build it. Yeah, build. <laughs> or 
pay pay somebody to build one. Pay for somebody you. to make, build it for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I wonder well, how much. <laughs> I wonder how much power electric cars pull. Yeah, well, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> well, you know, over the last few years, you see all of our appliances now. They have the energy ratings, and they have the you know, and and a lot of models have gone out because they don't meet the requirements of the new right. regulations. So, yeah, I think in the long run, it's helping things to to be less dependent upon high use of power. Right. But yeah, in the in the interim, you're going to have somebody caught because they wanted this and they can't have it. But the fact is, is the there are very few of these sold compared to most computers right. these are like a, the niche of the niche com, of the computer systems out there too but yeah i mean everything's getting more efficient so that's we'll uh we'll see how they respond how dell for example how they respond it might it might make them more efficient i'm just waiting for my quantum gpu uh, <laughs> you know, let's get there i just want <laughs> enough gpu so i can buy my new m1 um, imac to replace <laughs> this old creaky thing in front of me come on uh, all right, let's uh, talk about our next headline. The, the Valve, they're the makers of uh, the Steam library of, of computer games. They have their own new handheld gaming device. Like it's, it's, it's called the Steam Deck. It looks similar to like the Switch or uh, Game Play, Boys or something uh, like that. Yeah, PlayStation, Sony PlayStation, speaking of which. The uh, portables, yeah. Yeah, so Valve has promised that their entire library of games will run at 30 plus frames per second on this new device, which no one has yet. Just let's stipulate that just went on sale uh, a few weeks ago and it's backordered till sometime after we land on the moon again. So <laughs> which uh, now has been pushed back. So um, what do you all think of this promise? Uh, Thomas, I, I throw this at you because I know you're yeah. this is an area that you're interested in. What do you I think was so of this excited promise? about this thing? I'm so excited. <laughs> and then they said that it was going to run every title at 30 FPS plus, And I'm like, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> well, they so, did say that not all of them would do it at the time their first announcement was, but now they've got it so that they all will do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, don't, I don't understand. It. Yeah, no, no, I, that's, I mean, I have a pretty beefy computer and uh, there's a few games on Steam that I can't run at 30 FPS. And, and yeah. that's a, that's a desktop, right? It's like, right. I, what would you, and and. If if it if it doesn't cost like six thousand dollars, right, for this handheld thing, there's no way it's going to run all of the games on Steam at 30 FPS. Well, so. they it's a 1280 by 800 LCD screen, so mm -hmm. they've got to uh, be they, cutting the graphics down somehow. Well, I was just about to say they didn't promise the the number of textures right. and polygons you'll be able to right. see, but it'll be fast. It, they can run it. They can run it. It'll run it at 30 frames per second. You'll, it'll be it'll flat. It'll look like a potato. Yeah. It'll look like an 8-bit game, but hey, it'll... It won't run. Uh, but it will be 30 frames per second. Uh, I, I look at all these and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't own any of these game systems. And I think they'd be fun. But I just, I have like a mental lock. Even if I had $400 to throw down... Where would I put it? Would I put it into a Steam Deck or a Switch or an Xbox One, whatever the latest thing is, or an a M1 PlayStation Mac? Seven? <laughs> yeah. Well, the M1 Mac is way more than four hundred bucks. Right. But you know what I mean? It's just like where do I put my gaming dollars? If if I'm if mm -hmm. I'm in the market, say I'm I'm looking to buy a Christmas present for my kids or something, you know, the, the gaming thing. What do I? But that's that's the thing is I see I look at all these things I just don't know where to go and that's yeah. it's really confusing. The, the well, whole I think that's what market. Steam is trying to do is to get to say, well, we've got right. it all. Yeah, you know, come see library. us yeah. because they we really can run anything. Library. Yeah, I want to play uh, Civ Six on that tiny screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to say that tiny screen. You're not going to get the resolution anyway, even if it quote runs the game. Yeah, you know? yeah. a lot of games are going to be hard to play on that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, we should do a segment on this. We should do a segment on how to pick uh, how to pick yeah. a console game. I think because, it sounds because, like fun. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I've got opinions about it. Like, I think you know, you get a Nintendo if you want group setting games. You get a if you if you're just a casual gamer but you want that kind of like immersive game experience. Oculus Quest is great, but each console has its own strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, so it'd be a good it'd be a good segment to do. I will put that on the calendar for a future awesome. episode. Yes, we'll we'll definitely do that. Uh, the last bit is we want to talk about is um, 
Google is abandoning Qualcomm for the chips, the CPUs in its Pixel phones, and it's going to build its own. I wonder where they got that idea from. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds familiar somehow. Obviously, it's a logical idea. If you want to control the whole stack from top to bottom, you don't want to be dependent on, on some other company's uh, uh, schedule for for uh, making chip advancements. It's If you're a big enough company, it's, it seems to make sense. And so they're following Apple's lead, though, in making their own smartphone CPUs. What do you all think of Google getting into this? It's only for the Pixel, though, right? Yes, it's just Pixel, not like yes, any other Android. Android. Pixel. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I think it's I, I don't I don't see why they didn't do it, honestly. I mean, I know I know that Qualcomm makes good stuff and that that um, Google had a lot of uh, buy in with them. I think this this directly relates to the decision for uh, ARM processors to have that, you know, they got the more open source uh, information about how to build the ARM processors and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I really think that's their primary reason for it is that it's a a a licensing issue that they can, you know, move around and do their own thing without too much initial buy-in. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not have your flagship phone be completely controlled by you? Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the Pixel is sort of a a platform almost primarily for showing off what Android can do. Right. Right. And so it's not the the everyday phone for everybody, but is sort of a, a, a brag phone in a sense for Google. Now, I will say they're they're stepping back though because um but Qualcomm's really 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 good at what it does. Yeah. So they got to learn you're, a you're, lot. <laughs> they've got to learn a lot. Yeah. And and I I guess they figure they've got the they've got the resources to be able to catch up, but I mean Well, Google's been building its own chips for its you know, its servers. They've been right. they've been building the full stack and its server farms for ages. It's a whole different yeah. ball of wax. To, I different get that. ball game when you get into the little, the tiny little pieces that the go into game. a phone, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's not that they they don't know chip architecture, right? They right. they they do right. at least have that. So, and they probably hired a bunch of people. So, <laughs> away from Qualcomm. So well, I was going to say, yeah, Qualcomm just lost a whole bunch of people, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right. Um, all right. So if that's it for that, well, let's move on to the last part of our show where we discuss our picks of the week. Uh, Pat, I will give you first pick this week. What's your pick? Well, I don't know if anybody else has picked this before, but uh, I just recently got back off of a trip. And right before the day before I went on my trip, I got some Apple AirTags because I, you know, why not play with something new? So I, I, I found them easy to set up. I found them easy to monitor. Uh, and then when I got home, I decided I didn't really need all of those AirTags in my luggage and stuff. So I gathered them up. And then two days later, I said, where did I put them? I don't know where I put them. I, I took them out of my luggage, but where are they? So I had a hunt, uh, a hunting game. And let me tell you, they were a lot easier to find than my tiles are. Oh, yes. They and that's what are. I'm really comparing it to is the tile. And I love my tiles. But now I really like the air tags. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, it's a, it's a pain to, to have to get the separate little luggage tag thing you know sure. to put them in but i got a knockoff i didn't buy apples and uh but but like i kept you know following them around the house and it would say no i can't find it keep looking so i move around and it finally said oh it, we connected with it but it's pretty far away and then it would say 20 feet away and then five feet away and then it said whoops eight feet away and i'm thinking but i just came up this hall there's no <laughs> room behind me and i had stuck them up on a windowsill <laughs> and literally they were behind me <laughs> and funny. i thought my gosh that's a wonderful way to find that it really works <laughs> you are your daughter's mother that's for sure <laughs> really <laughs> yes melanie does the same sort of thing she puts things down without thinking and like why would i ever leave it here yes that's <laughs> <laughs> well i knew why so i'd find it when i went down the stairs but i never look at that window <laughs> <laughs> so i tell you like you talk about the, the air tags and tiles i have some air tags i've had tiles for years I, I even just bought a few new tile stickers because as much as i love the air, air tags they don't do everything I want. Like the stickers are great because they're small and they have adhesive on them, 
And my kids have recently got into um, toy drone flying, like the, the really cheap. Oh, nice. The drones. But of course, like the one time it went up and away <laughs> and we're like, where to go? And so we're like, OK, we have to put the tile on it. So we I, I got the tile stickers and put them on so that we could track them if they ever do that again. Well, in <laughs> Just, fact, at the same time I bought my Apple AirPods, I bought a sticker because yeah. there was something exactly that. In fact, it was the. Uh, I bought a, a set of earbuds about uh, eight months ago from Anchor, and they're really great, but I can't find them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I bought a new sticker and I bought new AirPods. So now the sticker just sits on top of the, the case. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, I, yeah. I actually have the same thing. I have uh, a tile hanging off of a case connected to my AirPods. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to find things. I just forget things too easily, so, yeah. They need to build the AirTag technology into the Apple Pencil, and then I'll be happy. Uh, yes. My, my daughter has an Apple Pencil that she keeps leaving behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we keep having to search. Well, I guess you could you could put a little, you know, a little uh, adhesive thing on so that you could put a <laughs> sticker on it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Thomas, what's your pick? Okay, so mine's a little uh, out of left field. We went to Comic Con um, last week, and we uh, my my twelve year old has been getting into these things called Gundam PLAs. So we've been watching some YouTubers that they put them together, and, and this is essentially like your your father's model kit on steroids, right? So okay. this is the you know like a tank or uh, an airplane model kit, but super duper advanced and. I, I was a little leery because I was like, okay, how cool could this possibly be? But I got one for him. I got one for me. Uh, they range like the entry level kits range from about 22 bucks to about 40. Uh, and, and you can get like the super duper expensive kits that are, you know, two, $300 or more. Uh, but I, I really, this was probably one of the most satisfying modeling experiences that I have had in my adult life, sitting down huh. with my 12 year old to do this thing. And I have one here. I'm, I'm kind of showing it to the camera. Oh. It is about five inches high, incredibly detailed. The armor comes on and off really easily. Everything snaps together, but it's fully articulated. Oh, see, the armor just popped off. Uh, <laughs> the, but it's fully articulated down to the fingers. Actually, you can move oh, wow. them. And that's it. You, you pop the stuff off of the, uh, off of the sprues. And it's already put together so that it moves. So there's no, like, you don't have to jig a bunch of stuff or really mm -hmm. try very hard to put it together. It goes together very easily. And for 40 bucks, it was like the best, like, you know, three or four hour experience sitting down with my son to do this thing. And being and a joint experience, little, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're they're great. It's like, a, it's it's a toy. You know, it's not just a, a model that you have to sit and look at and can't play with because you can actually pose them and take pictures of them fighting each other and all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I do have to say I'm including the link to the Reddit uh, thread for the gun PLA group because I want to be as agnostic as I can about where you get these things from. Uh, just just because you can buy them from all sorts of places. If you know Japanese, go to the Bandai site and get them directly from Bandai. <laughs> of course. Uh, but you have to know Japanese because the site's in Japanese. Uh, but there's some great sellers in Canada. There's some great sellers uh, in the U.S. Uh, the, the seller that we bought from was at Comic-Con. We actually like went up to a booth at Comic-Con, bought from them, got their card. Uh, they uh, sell online. They had a fantastic selection. So we're definitely going to be going back to those guys. And, um, and I can provide that link too. But I really do recommend going to the Reddit board and just looking at what people have made. And because the guys on that board are amazing, they, they not only do they put them together, but then they also uh, customize them. So they take all the pieces apart, paint them uh, uniquely so that they look even cooler than they do at, just as they are. Uh, so if you miss a modeling experience and want something a little updated and have a kid that's, you know, between that 10 and maybe 15 range and can sit down and pay attention to something for a while. I, I highly recommend these. They're very cool. That's awesome. I was recently mm. thinking like, oh, when I was a kid, I loved bu building Revell, uh, you know, model kits and those right. sorts of things. Right. Those are gone, long gone. They don't make those anymore. And so I was, I ended up like doing some Lego model kits, which, are, you mm -hmm. know, not the same thing, but similar. But uh, th knowing that there's stuff like this out there, that that's really awesome. I, I think it's really cool. All right, so uh, my pick this week, and thank you for that pick, by the way. My pick this week is for a website that also has uh, iOS and Android apps. It's called The Dirt. 
And it is a site for helping you find campgrounds. I like I like camping. My uh, my family we're, we're, we are scouters. We also like going camping as a family. And uh, so the dirt is kind of like Yelp for campgrounds. So it has listings. You put in your location or a location you're wanting to travel to. It will list sites. It will give them ratings. There's user reviews. There's information. Does it have Wi-Fi? Does it have you know, certain basic things uh, that that you want every campground to have uh, and then links to the sites. It's it's not the most extensive information and a lot of it depends the quality of it. The, the, each uh, review depends on the individuals. It's not professional reviewers, I'm saying, uh, but it's really nice. There's a there's a paid version that gives you some extra stuff. I haven't found a need for that. Uh, the, the the free version works just fine for me. Uh, but it's it's kind of fun, and it's um, you know, if you camp, if you're if you're the sort of family or person that likes to go camping, this uh, might be useful for you. So just give it a check out. So the dirt with a Y D the T H E D Y R T. I I know it's the internet thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's my pick. All right, so that should do it for us this time. If you have any feedback at all on our, on our discussion, any questions or comments, you can let us know by going to sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And, of course, you'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at sqpn.com. Uh, remember to like each episode of Secrets of Tech on our Facebook page. Retweet it. We were on Twitter at sqpn. You find us wherever you are and leave us comments in those places. Until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. It was fun being here. Thank you. Thomas and Herho, thank you as well. It was great being here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Quest.